five, four, three, two, one. Yep, we can confirm. Well, maybe nothing at this point. Well, I don't know. It's, that seemed to go okay, but I I don't know. Um, <laughs> here we are to possibly the the smoothest start to a Mosby Learning Podcast yet. This is episode 12, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to you who have joined us. We are once again a whole team here behind the microphones. I am Dan Hurt, and I'm calling from Mississauga, Ontario. And I'm Adam Costix, and calling from the DFW Metroplex. He's still mine. Sadiq is from Texas. You guys don't live together. I mean, you can just say where you each call in from. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, yeah, so Gibbs, it is nice to have you back. Thank um, you. you know, we gave you the week off last week. I hope you're you're well rested, you're refreshed for this uh, this conversation we're gonna have. I'm sorry, this discussion. And if um, you gave me the week off, I had to have it <clears> Yeah, <laughs> you pulled your shoot. That's cool. We respect that. Uh, and that's that's kind of that's you know we're we're easy going here. And this is b b this isn't just casual chit chat with with Adam, Dan, and Cynthia. Uh, this is the Most We Learning Podcast. What we hope to talk about today. There's a bunch of stuff we got. We do have a couple social media announcements. We have a couple headlines. We're going to take you guys through. And I do have a problem that I want to see if I can get help with solving, or at least find out if it's a training problem. It's got to do with goats. We'll get to that in just a few minutes um and the big thing that i want to talk about today is well okay this isn't just me that wants to talk about this this is this is a collection of fine people here but we're going to talk a little bit more about virtuals because well for several reasons because but um there's there's so many nuances to it and we're going to get into a lot of those in just a couple minutes there now uh so adam Sir, yes, sir. To to you, we we had a little bit of moving and shaking on the uh, on on the social medias today. We did, we did. We we're actually uh, joining more social media, and which is kind of interesting if you've listened to the last couple episodes where Dan has tried to completely get off of social media. So yeah, we all uh, should. Um, <laughs> and yet, now, now we're going on to a new platform. So the Mosby Learning Podcast has its own Twitter handle. Uh, which is just Mosby Learning. So it's at Mosby Learning. Um, and one follower. I'm not going to give you any ideas Are who that serious? is. But we have one <laughs> follower. Almost as many as you. It might be. But we're still so up we're, to one follower. And so if we can double every day. So yeah, we've Learning. doubled the network. Yeah, let's just try to redouble tomorrow. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of growing uh, by leaps and bounds every single day. But Mosby Learning. That's is the uh, the handle on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And, and one of the reasons I'm excited about it is because we're on more uh, streaming networks and podcast apps uh, as of this morning. So we're on CastBox. We're on um, Himalaya. We're on some of the ones that aren't as well known, such as you know Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Uh, so we got onto a couple of those this morning. And I, I would say probably one of the bigger news is that we were just – added to Training Industries Magazine uh, online web, I guess it's an online web article about different learning and development podcasts. And in there, there's a ton of different podcasts on there, probably about 30 different podcasts on learning and development. So they added us to the list of podcasts to check out. So quite a bit of information joining. And, first, and not that that should be the deciding factor on this, but that does make it feel a little bit more official, doesn't it? Complete mm -hmm. legitimacy. 
when, yeah, yeah. when you see your name somewhere that's not just scrawled on a bathroom yeah. stall somewhere saying I was here, you know, so, it's so like, oh, no, you, it's real. How did you make that happen? Did you have your people talk to their people? Yeah. Or what? People yeah. were constantly talking. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. They haven't shut up. <laughs> uh, it's been a couple months, actually. Can't give away all the secrets, Gibbs. <laughs> but our names are on there, and I don't really want to go it's into the details. Certainly, it certainly wasn't an online form to fill out. That's for sure. <laughs> that much we do know. Complete <laughs> vetting. I mean... It's amazing where legitimacy does come from, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of like where right. we, we are the pioneers of micro-learning. That's true. That's yeah. true. Hey, Gibbs, let me ask you, does this social media stuff mean anything? Like, I know that you're on Facebook just on a personal level, but like, do you care about the Twitter at all? Does that appeal to you in any way? Um, so I've been working on possibly getting a Twitter account, but it's not. It's, <gasps> I mean, honestly, it's because of band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, because my son's school posts a bunch of things, so. That's yeah. right. And so. every joke you people are thinking, we have already thought of and <laughs> thrown her way. <laughs> I'm texting a couple right now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Well, that's cool. Hey, you know what? Hopefully, yeah, we can reach a few more people and they can reach back to us. You know, if you guys wanted to reach to us to say, hey, why aren't you on? Why aren't you on Orkut? Like, because I'm in Brazil and I've got a defunct social media platform. Or why aren't you on Google Plus, the defunct social media platform that everybody else is still kind of on? Uh, if you're not on those things and you want to say we should be, whatever, mosbylearning at gmail.com. You can always get us there. Uh, show notes. I don't know if I mentioned this because this is episode 12. Show notes for this 12th episode of ours is going to be at mosby.ca slash 012. How about that? Um, and Mosby, this is, this is, a, I think this is a Canadian thing. What does um, the CA stand for? Canada. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. so, well, so what I was going to say was the S sound in a lot of words up here is pronounced almost as a Z or if I'm to be true to my Canadian roots, a Z. Um, so I, I don't know why that is the case but it does seem that way so the ca thing interesting point because i follow i don't even know I, well i don't follow anybody that's pertinent to that on linkedin but i do see the occasional ad from i think a canadian domain registry outfit or maybe i just see the ads because i've registered you know mosby.ca and they are like the ads are freaking bananas they they show like um if you were to have a mountie as a uh like a stripper mountie outfit you know a mountie yeah you guys yes. know Mounted Police, Royal yeah. Canadian Mounted yes. Police? Yeah. Yes, I've okay. seen that Dudley Do-Right movie. Ah, well, that's both <laughs> offensive and thank you. Um, but the uh, the ad is like kind of like uh, sexy dressed uh, RCMP guy with the aviator glasses on. And he's got his boot coming through the screen almost. And it says, don't be a traitor. Get a .ca. And it's like, wait a second. What are, we're just accusing like, people of being a traitor uh, now? For, I like for how you not, your first word to describe him is sexy. Well, I, 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 I'm not blind, Cynthia. I might be straight, but I'm not blind, okay? <laughs> so so um, I, I guess I didn't really realize that the like, .com would be a Americanized. Much, 
a much harder domain uh, uh, to get. Yes, sure. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, Mosby. Mosby. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say it because I don't want to confuse people. But it was taken, so we went with Mosby.ca, which mm. was I was I was blown away how free that or not free, but inexpensive it was. Uh, and it's short. That was the thing for me. I needed to have a short URL to kind of uh, to get that website going. But that's um, that is maybe neither here nor there when it comes to learning podcasts. Uh, what I did, I did want to say, you know, last week. Uh, uh, Gibbs, we did miss you. Me and Adam talked uh, quite a bit. We had a, a good conversation about ways that virtual sessions can go well. And as good conversations can even go, sometimes one of us may put a foot in our mouth. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! So we did, we did in fact get another note from Portland, uh, the Portland office, who really just kind of oversees, makes sure that when we do overstep a bound of any particular part, part they uh, they kind of rein us in a little bit. So here's the note that we got so from them. I'm just going to read Portland, it to you guys. Oregon, Portland, Maine, Portland, Canada. I don't get into the details, Gibbs. This is just the oh. Portland office. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. So uh, on, on episode 11, one of us indicated that we, quote, kind of like Pablo Escobar. Referring, of course, to the infamous Colombian drug lord and narco-terrorist. This was, unfortunately, a momentary lapse in judgment that resulted in an unfunny, poorly timed, tasteless quip. For the record, the Mosby Learning Podcast does not like Mr. Escobar. We at Mosby Learning do not condone the actions of he or any other drug lord slash narco-terrorist. In no way did we intend to romanticize Pablo Escobar's criminal enterprise, and for that, we do apologize. So, that... Uh that that kind of brings us to the end of the apologies from last week. Uh, this this was a very short but poignant, I think. Uh, you done messed up segment. Uh, I feel um, like the Portland office just has something against everything that I have to say. That's two weeks in a row that they are coming after. Well, man, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a big world, mm-hmm. and and we're 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 big players in it, so we got to respect those sort of boundaries. So, um, you know, it's it's a we are a cast of thousands here. Thousands and thousands. Okay, moving on into uh, a couple headlines now. And uh, Adam, I think you, you've got a specific one you want to talk about. Do you want to start with that or you want to close with that? What do you want to do? American Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving. Yeah, That's... I did write that in there. So, <laughs> so let's start I'm with that. I'm looking at that first uh, headline there, and it is American Thanksgiving. It so, is I mean, American. Okay, so I did want to bring up the fact that, I, and I, and that's okay. Don't you I appreciate... minimize this one? Don't you minimize? No, I'm not minimizing <laughs> anything. I've never minimized. I maximize exclusively here. Um, this is, in fact, the eve of your Thanksgiving holiday. And, uh, you know, for that, I appreciate you guys because you're probably already starting to cook turkeys uh, at this point, I think. You guys start with like a day and a half in advance, right? Thanksgiving morning. You run a race? Yep, we do a turkey trot, me and my kid. Oh, very nice. And we Have got, you ever won and, the turkey trot? And I trot? sent you guys the pictures of my turkey hats, right, that we're going to wear. You did. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Hey, what are the temperatures that you're running races in down there? Well, it's going to be raining tomorrow, so we may oh, be sleeping Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> that's going to be one soggy bird. I know, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to rain. hearing... Uh, what do you guys place like top five though? Maybe. Oh no, no. Yeah, I mean, but it's really cool because there's like 600 people. But because it's Thanksgiving, it's like all families. So it's like you know, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, everyone's there. Not my family, nice. but you know, everyone else's nice. family is doing it. And me and my kid ride walk. 
uh, a training of a different sort, perhaps. Did, so did you train for this at all? <laughs> no, um, we tend to do 12 5Ks together a year, but we kind of run walk. It's more about quality time. Hmm. As you're gasping between uh, yeah. lunges forward, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like quality to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Fun. Well, uh, so that's that's all. I I mean, I'm the only Canadian here talking about Thanksgiving for you guys. So I don't know. Do you guys have anything you want to say about it? Are there any training related topics around Thanksgiving? Well, Linus trained the Peanuts gang today on why Thanksgiving is important. <laughs> 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 was that a training issue? Maybe. Well, <laughs> maybe you know, we can bump up our segment. I was really realizing <laughs> that, you know, because you know, every year I don't know what the Canadians do, but we watch, you know, Great Pumpkin and the Christmas one and the Thanksgiving one, and Linus is teaching people every single time. I was like, he's a trainer. Now is he the one with the key? The, is he the piano player? The pianist, no, if you will. Schroeder. Schroeder, okay, and Linus is the one with the blanket? Yes. With the yes. cloud over him all the time? The dirty no, kid. that's Pigpen. Oh. I'm not, this isn't shtick. I'm honestly trying to figure out who this guy is. Oh, it's Pig, Linus is the one with the blanket. His sister is Lucy, and he's very smart. So the blanket, Lucy, I know. Uh, the blanket kid, not the same kid as the dirty kid. No, that's Pigpen. Pigpen. Oh Ooh. my gosh. Do you not Which one's peanuts? Mushmouth? Mushmouth? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's no, a totally different are we, cartoon. Are we allowed to make Bill Cosby jokes? When when can those stay back up? <laughs> that's bad. Probably Albert. not soon. Not soon. <laughs> not not so soon. Well, I'm sure we're going to have on that. However, hold on. I, I do want to take a step back, though. Can mm. a training fix this? And the, the answer is yes. On uh, real quick for for Thanksgiving, if you did not know, Butterball actually has a turkey line. If you're cooking your turkey and you're actually having trouble, you don't know what to do next, or you're just oh. not cooking correctly, there is a turkey talk line. No lie, That's it's been cool. in operation for 30 years, and you can call it, answer questions every year. They have over a hundred thousand questions. <laughs> you can even text it if you wanted to text Butterball turkeys. Eight four four eight seven seven three four five six. That's and pretty good. This year only, first time, it is on course, Amazon Alexa. By the time we post wow. this, Thanksgiving will be over. It will Completely. be over. <laughs> so let's spend more time talking about butterball turkeys. But yeah, we're still cashing that sweet, sweet uh, sponsor check. I'll tell you that. <laughs> butterball. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Uh, do they have th- a jingle? So it, it, do they have a jingle? Yeah. Butterball. butterball. Yeah. There we go. Flawless. <laughs> Every jingle is like the same thing. So back to learning. Uh, yeah, we're going to try. We're going to try. More towards the, can we please stop talking about generations as if they are a thing? Well, we skipped oh, like see, a no, ton. you had your chance earlier. Yeah, you we, had your chance earlier. Yeah, and then you, like then you made a smart topics. mouth comment about American Thanksgiving. So okay. uh, we're going like to five gonna get... topics, man. Yeah, Come see, now we got to we got to do it chronologically. So we're going to move right into the benefits of L&D partnering with its internal communications team. This was something that I had pop into my inbox from uh so this is a uh, um 
these guys are across the pond where they don't give thanks ever, I don't think. Um, this is a, a UK group called trainingzone.co.uk, and that was the, the headline you already heard. And I thought it was interesting because one of the things that we try to talk about here is that we have so many different other corporate groups that bump up against and support and lean on the L&D side of things. And internal comms is certainly one of them. Uh, internal comms, you know, I think that there's uh, there's marketing we've talked a lot about it we always got to be buds with it to make sure everything's working like it's supposed to so there's a bunch of different stuff that comes into it anyways there was uh there were three big things that they had in here uh one of them was tailor your message for the audience in uh adam i think you and i talked a lot about that last week you know just kind of because we talked about the gary v deck and um, this is gonna be the gary v cast at some point i think but uh, we talked about how he tailors his social media to the audience and, you know, we kind of do the same thing. So we we tailor our material to that that particular group and then through the particular medium as well, making sure that it's what we need it to say. If it's a job aid or if it's a video or if it's just a supportive email or something, make sure that it says the uh, says the right thing for the format. So I thought that was interesting. Um, another one was, uh, reinforce the message. One of the things that we haven't yet really dug into was the, um, the Ebbinghaus curve. That was when we went to our little shindig there in May, mm -hmm. the, uh, the ATD ice conference, that was like in every presentation, there was two things in every presentation. <laughs> one was the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve. And yes. what was the other one? The modern learner. The goddamn modern learner that nobody cares about. Uh, <laughs> every at least presentation, I don't care man, about. It. I still can't believe that every presentation yeah. had that stupid slide, had that information in there. I thought we were being really novel. I, I mean, I thought it was great data, and then all of a sudden I look around and every presentation talked about the modern learner. Yeah. We were so far ahead of things, we were right in time with everybody yeah, else. Right in time. That's right. And then uh, the other, uh, the other, well, there was one other note from that article about kind of just making sure that your message or your training is well supported through the management, uh, the management team that is already in place and they should be supporting everything. And yet how many times do you have not, I, I mean, I'm not talking about executive sponsorship. I mean, just the actual managers, everybody needs to do a thing. Okay. The managers of everybody, they don't seem to give a shit about right. the thing we just tried to do because they're still chasing the metrics that they're trying to chase. Uh, um, yeah, but that was, that was that any, any thoughts from you guys on that? I do. Um, you know, one of the big things that is when you talk about a lot of the times we're creating training due to change, right? You're creating training to say that people need to do something different and mm -hmm. both training and communications need to be acutely aligned into that change, right? The communication has to go, you know, from the top and target the top all the way down to the bottom. And they're going to be different mm -hmm. communications, what's in it for them. And then also, kind of ties that right in with training of where is training going to support the need to understand how to do your job differently. And so I really think that that partnership helps along the change curve and that a lot of times companies struggle in being able to articulate what the message is at the different levels. And then where does training come in to help people get across that change? Yep. Yep. Thank you, sir. Cynthia Gibbs, what are your thoughts on this particular topic? Um, I was thinking, no, I agree that you got to really use that internal communications team. I was thinking about the leaning on managers to support messaging. Um, mm. I think it just, the, the biggest thing for me is it's, it's how good of a relationship do you build with them and how big of a 
good of a partnership do you build with them? And unfortunately, a lot of times that can take years. Um, mm. Do you know to get to that phase where you know? I think of the team dynamics where you're actually performing with the business partner that you're working with. Like you gotta get to you know norming and performing with your own team, but also are you partnering and performing with your managers? Um, that your business partners with and when that happens, it's like seamless, you know, because they understand what you do, you understand what they do and they're coming with you. It's a true partnership where, you know, they are the subject matter expert with their business, but they also know that you are the training team that knows what the heck you're talking about when it comes to training. So it's, you know, it's back and forth. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, like so, they truly understand it. And then that's when the true cascading goes on because the managers really see from that partnership that we're building something to support you. So you have to establish, if I if I heard you right, what you're saying is you have to establish a, uh, a baseline of competence and you've got to show that to the management team so that they know that you are, in fact, reliable and trustworthy. Um but Do you think so I got that much right? Nowadays, I think it's so hard nowadays because there's so much change and because companies run so fast and because there's so much change, not just mm-hmm. within the company, but turnover is so mm-hmm. big, you know, and I'm not like, oh, high attrition, but I'm talking that no, people don't stay anymore. Yeah. You know, it's people don't stay anymore. And and because people don't stay anymore, like just when you feel like you might be at the edge of norming, boom, they leave. They're gone. Now, that is as good a lead in as I can hope. Um, people don't stay because they're all millennials, right? Right? <laughs> Adam, millennials leave constantly. Millennials leave every job. So it's tell me cool. about this article you kind of brought to the party here. Can we please stop talking about generations as if they are a thing? Mm-hmm. And that's the name of the article. That's just not me, you know, shouting at the clouds. Right. And I agree um, with that, but I think for different reasons than Adam. Ooh, I want to I hear your reasons after Adam gives his initial pitch as to why he thinks we need to exclusively talk in generational terms. Sure. So it's it's actually a year old article. Uh, it's by Dave, David Costanza, and it it just talks about that millennials are not all. Say can't stand you. Is that what you said? Costanza, just like Seinfeld. Cost- oh, Costanza. Oh. Yeah, same, okay. same person, poor David. Um, I'm sure he never got made fun of for that. And you know, it, basically, what he talks about is that millennials are all not narcissists, and boomers are not inherently selfish. And so what he started looking at is hey, at the end of the day, the research is not really what's happening. And he goes through this article, and it's a long article um, with a lot of really good research in there. But basically what he talks about is that people aren't really put into those boxes of generations. And so he defines what the generations are in the different areas. And you know, some of the biggest problems with that research, he shows that most studies show you know, that generational differences – it doesn't hold true to conventional wisdom. So like, for example, you talked about millennials scored lower on job satisfaction than Gen Xers, but are they really less satisfied as a generation? And what they basically talked about is that they are, but so were boomers when they first started out. Mm. And so they're saying, okay, well, boomers right now aren't 
satisfied. They, when they were in their 20s, or thir- I guess it's 30s now for millennials, they also, too, were less satisfied. But yet now they're 50 or 60. It's, you know, you, when you think about when you're in your 20s or your 30s, you're ready to go from every job to the other. You can take on the world. Yeah. Because so it's a satisfied. cycle within a generation is what he's saying. Correct. Um, and so basically he goes through that the science doesn't back up these different things. And so wait a second, are you saying that we shouldn't believe in science, Adam? That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. You're anti-science. No, we're saying you're a science denier. You son of a bitch. (laughs) You bring in politics to my podcast. (laughs) Right. But but what he's saying is he's saying it backwards, right? So he's saying, you know, the science doesn't support what conventional wisdom Mm -hmm. is. Isn't that interesting? But there's a lot of memes and headlines that tell me otherwise, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately it goes down to training, right? Like how many times are we hearing this? You know, you need to do millennials and you need to do Gen Ys and you have boomers yeah. who aren't good at technology. And then okay, you have millennials boomer. that are, you know, they're better at technology. So we need to design differently. Mm-hmm. And we're making assumptions with people that aren't necessarily true just based on this conventional wisdom that science is showing that it's not interesting uh okay gibbs as our resident boomer what um hey now <laughs> what are your thoughts on you're not a boomer uh full disclosure folks she's not a boomer what are your no. what are your you so you were saying that you agree with the statement possibly for different reasons where are you coming from well i don't know um what am i i'm a gen y that's what i am okay um, uh no you're not you're gen x am i Oh no! Yeah, Gen Gen Y is the one after your son. Isn't your son a Gen Y? No, he's a Z. Oh Christ! I'm a Gen Y. I think me and Adam. No, you're millennials. See, this is why it's stupid. Yeah, see, this is why. I don't know. I just think um, I I tend to with what the article is saying. I didn't read the whole thing, but this Mm -hmm. I read part of it. Um, But thanks. I do think that I think about like well it's like 900 pages long um probably not that's an exaggeration but but I think about <laughs> I just remember when back in the day again like in the early 2000s um when I was at household HSBC and HR did this presentation about the workforce and how we had, and this is even before millennials were even thought of, I think even before they gave a name and how, you know, we talked about, heck, I think it was even the people before the baby boomers. And then they were talking about how baby boomers were aging and how we need to give in to, you know, look at my generation, whichever generation that was, you know, and then the generation that was coming in after that, before even millennials. And how I thought was really fascinating and stuff was like, wow, you know, they're so different, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And it was Mm. like a new, exciting thing. And it was also when all the diversity stuff started coming in, you know, and we had to hire, have a certain percentage of, diversity within our company and within our group and all those things um and now i I, part of me just feels like it's it's become um too too much i guess you could say Mm -hmm. like we think if we you know i not that i don't think it's important but it's become too important 
you know what I mean? That we focus on that too much to how mm-hmm. we're going to train, et cetera, and things like, or how, you know, we need to do things. And it's almost become a little stereotypical. It's almost like how, when we talked about personality styles and one of mm-hmm. the dangers with personality styles is if mm-hmm. you don't understand it well enough, or you don't know it well enough, you're stereotyping everybody. Oh, they're, they're a big D or they're a big, you know, they're this type. And so they must be like this. Yeah. They must be like this when it's just a small part. It's such a yeah, small you, you part of Yeah, you become a first-year psychology student, yes. and you just immediately start diagnosing everybody at Thanksgiving. Exactly. Yes. And, so, and, and so that's where that article kind of talks about it. It's like instead of just saying, oh, it's due to being in a, you know, a millennial or a Gen Y, it said, you know, you should focus on addressing benefits, work conditions, and other factors that are reasons for people leaving. And, and basically saying that, that's the if same you for focus every generation, though. Every generation, right? And, yeah. And, and the third thing he talks about, though, Gibbs, to your exact point, is it perpetuates stereotyping, right? And because there's no cuts, right? Like, if you say, mm-hmm. like, somebody is this generation and they were at the end of the generation, like, events don't incur in 20-year intervals or 10-year intervals, right? So, you know, I'm on the edge being in 1979. I guess I'm a millennial, but I'm also... Well, uh, am I a millennial at, at, at 1979? I don't uh, know. I th- well, yeah, it depends on how See, thin I, you want to slice the, uh, yeah. the atoms here. But right. I, th- I think, yeah, that's it. that's in some of the categories. Yeah, some of the categories include 79. Right. Well, and, and, so, and here's, what yeah. I, here's what I think is funny is we're, you know, in today's world, it's like celebrate individuality, celebrate differences, yet here we are stereotyping. Mm-hmm. It's funny how 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 well and specifically in L and D we are more than happy to stereotype in very significant ways. Not just L and D, but HR. I mean, uh, you have um, I've heard employee um, like support groups talked about in other places, and it's like we've gotta you've gotta be the square peg to fit in with all the other square pegs here so we can talk about our square pegs. It's like, well, who gives a shit? I I have heard in more than one place, and, and I think it was a Harvard Business Review article or something like that. I'll try, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do my due diligence and try to find the article to include in the show notes, uh, but I make no promises. Uh, but the, the gist of it was that... Groups have more in common or or there are more differences within a particular category than there are between categories. And and so so it kind of goes along that same idea that this article seems to push back against the idea between general about generational talk uh, where it says, okay, maybe there's more things that boomers and millennials have in common. But then when you look at just boomers, well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of differences and a lot of what's that? There's a lot. of Yeah. 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 There's a a lot of variety Mm -hmm. in that one particular group. And somehow there's still a lot in common with the other group that's got a lot of variety within it. You know what I mean? And Um, and here's where it comes into training, too. I mean, I've been doing this for 23 years now in training. And it's always it's still always. What? Such a total boomer thing to say. Yeah. It's still the same, though, where you got to be able to teach the same thing five different ways. 
you that's true you gotta yeah. be able to teach it five different ways and and be able and if it doesn't work be able to jump into the other way to teach mm-hmm. it because everyone learns differently no matter what generation you are no matter what age because everyone learns differently so you may train it to the class one way but there may be a group that you have to sit with during break and teach it a totally different way because it's yeah, that's the just dumb not ones, how right? they learned the dumb ones not the dumb ones, but because some people, maybe you, you taught it visually, and these people yeah. need to learn it hands-on, or vice yeah. versa, or something. Like, for me, I mean, you know, I know, you know, the, the stereotypes and everything is everyone likes to learn hands-on. I don't like to learn hands-on. I am not good at learning things hands-on. I have to observe and process and then do it hands-on with you. But that's not mm. how most people teach it anymore. So for me... It's it's not well, you know it's not the right I, way for me to learn it. So that I think trainer most has people, to do it. Go ahead. Yes, the the, the tra- No, you're right. The trainer has to be able to do things different ways, and I think people are getting trained the cheapest way possible right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Uh, and and the cheapest way possible is not always the best way. And and the best way, even even this, there is no single best way because, like you said, everybody's an individual and they're all different. Like as much as it annoys me to say everyone's a snowflake and we're all special, everyone's kind of a goddamn <laughs> snowflake and we're all special. You know, I mean, like we're all we're all different in different ways. And and I, I I don't care very much for putting people in in arbitrary groups based on numbers or well, that's just it. Based on any pick pick a number, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Pick a different, you know, let's do something more, more useful, more valuable. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, uh, let's If you're a great trainer, you can train it several different ways. Yeah. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Well, you got it. Um, Or else you're not a great trainer. (laughs) That's right. Just leave the industry. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I'm out. Leave on top. There you go. All right. Uh, let me just take a peek at how we're doing for time here. Uh, let's do one more of these before we get into, uh, well, actually, yeah, let's do one more quick one. There is an article that came from TD.org and it's titled a universal definition of micro learning. Now, given that we're kind of in, you know, the micro learning sphere, as it were, uh, it, it kind of made sense to talk about. This is a snippet that's come from a book called Microlearning Short and Sweet, and it's by, uh, you may have heard his name on this podcast before, Carl Cap. Cop? Cap? Shit. Adam, which one is it? <laughs> Maybe we Poor haven't guy. heard his name we before. We can never <laughs> get it right. You've heard both of his names on this podcast yes. before. And uh, and Robin uh, Def- Defelice, I think is how we're going to say that. Uh, Robin Defelice. So they put a book together. There's a couple things in there. And I don't think anything here is going to stand out too much. Uh, it is both old and new with its origins dating back hundreds of years, if not more. It's short, focused on a specific, uh, specific uh, event versus an arbitrary time limit. And that's one of those things, that time limit thing is... I think it's going away now. You know, I think in the same way that microlearning just had a huge surge, maybe like three, four years ago, everybody's at least familiar enough with it that I shouldn't say everybody. Most people are probably familiar enough with it that it doesn't require a one minute window or a five minute window. It can just take the window, you know, whatever the window is, if it's short, then boom, it's in the category, you know. But Dan, it should be 45 seconds. It should be 45. Why can't it be 45 seconds? You know, I actually, I have a a poem. I'm not going to read that poem today. I did write a different poem that kind of gets to that topic too. But uh, uh, not that all I do is write poetry, guys. But, um, you know, let me ask you a question here. Side sidebar, if we could. What, what, why did poetry become unpopular? It, It just doesn't seem to be the thing to do anymore. Why is this? 
fair enough. All right, let's let's move on. <laughs> there was a lot of silence there. I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't know it was ever on popular, that. honestly. I was, I, that's what I was kind of going back to. Was it popular? Is it popular? I mean, I, that I guess is Shakespeare. Come on. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean was it popular? Yeah, I know. He was kind of a big deal. If he existed at all. Yeah. That's there's you know something to discuss there. All right, screw this. Let's move on. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. You guys can check it out if you were so inclined. I want to move on to something that I think is really more of a pressing issue at this point, and this is today's can training fix it? Now, sometimes I try to pull these things from the headlines. Sometimes I'm just scrambling at something to come up with, and then this one just uh, I almost jumped into my lap, if you will, and. It, it's, it seems to be this this fitness trend that is that is taking over all the, I don't know, more unique locations of the world, uh, specifically in L.A., goat yoga. They have that have in you Dallas. guys heard of this? They have it in, of course they have it in Dallas. Um, there's people with too much money in Dallas. That's what they have. Um, is this so, kind of okay. like the Bikram Chattere stuff? I, I, uh, I'm going to say no. Because I don't know if there were goats with that. Okay. This has goats. Like real. This goats. is actual. Like, like, so this like is farm ex- animals. Like yeah. farm yeah, animal goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Petting zoo goats. So, so uh, just for everybody that's not familiar, which should be most people, I hope at this point. Uh, let me just give you the the ten second version. Goat yoga is where you go to a yoga studio. And, and you bring your little mat and you got your grippy gloves on and you're you're doing your stretches and shit and then there's like a little jo- a little goat a little baby goat that'll just jump on top of you and hang out for a minute this and then crazy. the person comes around and feeds it and then they go jump on somebody else while they're doing like you know balance the cat or whatever the heck they're doing so that uh, I'm not balance I wish I was I really cat. wish I was making this up what well, I've no, done a video what's wrong I was with that I didn't go. You, you wait. You yoga, yoga, or goat yoga? Goat yoga. I was actually invited last year, oh and I didn't go. God. So okay, I didn't expect this turn. Why didn't you go there? You know, I don't know. I, I can't Are you not think. open to new environments um, and, and experiences? You square? Well, no. I you know I think it was it was just like you know the I didn't want to drive as far as it was. First off. Um, How far and, would you be willing to drive to of, risk having a goat poop on you? And the whole thought of having an animal that's like not my dog crawling yeah. on me. Yeah, yeah. And standing on my back just didn't appeal to me. You and know, I, cards on the table, baby goats are cute, but I don't know that they belong in yoga. So, well, let me ask you guys quick, quickly then. Do we think this is a problem? This is a it, thing, and it's shocking to me. I googled it, and I didn't know what I was. No, I have My not. My friend said it was really fun, but it, it, you know, but they also said it's like you know hurting cats because your goat is just kind of yes. all over the place. So, and then okay, so let's wait. Did everybody get a goat? Yes. Yes. So they all everybody get gets a goat. I thought so, the room shared like three goats. Yes. It's supposed no. to calm you or something like that. So yeah, in Richardson, Texas, oh, it's Dan, there is ridiculous. a uh, there is somebody who does it at their house. Um, they sell tickets on Eventbrite to do this, and it, it looks like it's almost. Could you stop everything. plugging other things? I am totally plugging everything. Jesus, <laughs> sweet podcast money that continues to come in from the sponsors. But at the end of the day, it you're cordially invited to coffee, cocoa, and goat yoga. 
mm-hmm. their North Dallas backyard. And uh, <sighs> it, they call it get your goga goga on while our pet goats graze and jump That's around. Unacceptable. Or on you in holiday mm-hmm. outfits. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus. Okay, so okay. So so back to the question, is this a problem? If it's if you guys don't think it's a problem, we're, we're gonna move right on. Do you think it's a problem that needs to be addressed in any way, I shape, or form? I think it's a trend, like twerking. Twerking? That could or be that next ice week's topic. Challenge. I think it's a trend. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. So can so training? Uh, make, okay, can so training I have a favorite thing of a week. You well, can we'll we, get there. Okay, in a totally different segment. At the end. Yes. <laughs> Unless but, you, do you feel as though it needs to go into the middle of hand training fixes? Since you're saying I'm a baby boomer, I forget things quickly, so that's why I had to bring it up. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Type it out. So, so um, the, the question is: Can training fix go? Yeah. So, well, I feel like we have to agree that it's a problem. If you guys don't think this this is a problem, like society wide, then then no. maybe we don't have to worry about it. It'll sort itself out. I don't think it's a. I think it's a trend. Like the ice you think it's a challenge. trend? So, so is eating Tide Pods. I mean, that's a problem. Yes, see? But, you know, these are... Yeah, but, I mean, unless the goat has horns, All right. right? No, that's it's fine. It's not really going to hurt you. Okay. Well, let's let's move on then. Well, yeah, no, let's move on. The the, the people have spoken. I this is not a big enough issue for you. training to waste its money on. We're moving on. That's, and that's, that's you know what, that's the beauty of this segment because we should be doing this in our day-to-day when managers bring us a problem and say, hey, listen, I got these these goats walking on all sorts of people, on our customers and shit. Is that, are we good with this? Or I think we need to train. We need a video for this. We could say, no, 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 no. No. This is not a training problem. This is a fencing issue. It could Get be a training mended. problem if we chose that as a team building event. I might have legs. Four of them, and they're hooved. <laughs> and goats, you know, from from the website, goats have been known to nudge, scratch, nibble, jump, and step on See? attendees. Yeah, they eat cans, and they're not potty trained animals. So, glorified if you're tra- rodents. If you're a trashy person, you're in trouble. It's <clears throat> probably why I didn't go. This is the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. I, I'm I feel probably bad. End up I should have jumped of the in. Evening looking at Goga. I am sure your wife has heard of it. I don't know if she has. Bring her in. Get her. I, go I, get her. Let me go get her. <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> I'm going to go wake her up. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on to, uh, well, are you guys cool if we do a little more poetry here? Well, how can we not? We are like how so off of the trail here on our notes. What are you talking about? Um, what are you talking about? We skipped the in whole the show military notes, thing. We have can training fix it. We've skipped past that because we only have so much time for a podcast. Okay. Do you want to go back to that? No. We'll tell you what, we'll keep that for next week. Okay. Because it's it's an interesting article. There is there is an article about um Well now yeah, you're so talking there's an article. about it. Well, I'm teasing it for okay. next week. There's an article about military training, we'll talk about it next week. Um all right. This is uh yeah, we really need to work on the structure of this program. This is <laughs> <laughs> this poem, I and and I think maybe next week I'll even take a break from poetry because this is harder than it sounds to to come up with this shit. And maybe uh, that's okay. why people don't do poetry anymore. It's just too yeah. difficult. You think so? Ain't <laughs> nobody got time Have for that. Have you read uh, the Cat in the Hat recently? Yeah, well, let I me tell you, that I book. have. And it is very, uh, it's more in depth than you actually think. When you start reading through it, you get to page like forty five, and you're like, wow, this damn cat. So on it's a Netflix, long book. It keeps going on. 
they have a whole new Dr. Seuss series called Green Eggs and Ham. Really? Mm. Yeah, I'm, my kid's like, do you mm. want to watch that? And I'm like, no. Because I didn't like Dr. Seuss as a kid. It was kind of creepy. Oh, how can you not like that? What are you talking about? It's kind of creepy. You're so old. All right. So uh, what we're going to talk about in a couple minutes is the, uh, the, the virtual sessions. And we're going to talk about interactivity in those sessions. That's, that's a little foreshadowing. We do that when we're casting forward to something. Not backwards. But uh, this poem is titled what's the frequency kenneth um maybe some gen xers out there will get that i need context for kenneth well, i'm gonna <laughs> no <laughs> no you don't <clears throat> all right rem is your context okay. uh okay it was two minutes after the hour and ken was watching the clock hey listen he said to his handset it's been nice to chat and talk but i've got to jump on this webinar about some nonsense thing a dreary hibernation. I'll wake up sometime this spring. Ken hung up and dialed. He logged into the webinar, too. The first thing he heard the host say was, Tell me a bit about you. What music do you remember from when you were just a kid? And did you hear the one about the giant rubber squid? These unexpected questions had taken Ken off guard. And the host sharing their video, well, this was a wild card. Time flew by as Ken answered polls and played in chat. The obligation to the host became a tit for tat. Soon enough, the question slide began fading in to not say thanks after such a thing would truly be a sin. "'Twas a thing of goddamn beauty," Ken projected, then typed thanks. The host said, Glad y'all joined us as we've been filling in the blanks. He said, Ken, I see your message, and gave a small salute. But next time, help me out, and please put your phone on mute. All right, that's the end of What's the Frequency, Kenneth, which is nothing like the REM song that a true Gen Xer would know. Come on, Gibbs. You... Yeah. Is anybody there? Are you guys gone? <laughs> What's happening? It's fantastic. Yeah. Nice okay. work. All right. Nice work. Thank you. I, I especially Thank like the, the different voices. Yeah. Well, I want. I. I didn't. There's not enough space to really <laughs> to, to say, "Hey, this is a different person." So I felt the voice was appropriate. Yeah. All right. Let's move on <clears throat> to the big thing of this chat here, and it was really around the frequency, and that's that's where I came from on that poem. It's really about the frequency of engagements in virtual sessions. And I've got a couple questions to kind of guide us through this, but I, I really want to open this up to you guys and say, do you have thoughts on this? And and if so, what are they? Well, Gibbs, you know, let's, Gibbs, let's start with you, because I know that you're like, you you have your hands in the dirt when it comes to webinars. Well, no, I was actually digressing to Poetry Conner, thinking, you know, we should get like, an, you should read like a couple pages of an audio book and do the different voices instead of Poetry Corner. I have, um... <laughs> Well, I have demos on mosby.ca for voiceover if people are looking. And one of them is, in fact, a Cat in the Hat demo. I did I did a segment of Cat in the Hat because uh, I crushed that friggin' book. I'm, I'm not even joking about that. Like, really? I love reading that book to my kid because I got some serious voices going on in there. 
Yeah. So the cat, since we're talking about this, the cat, the voice that I try to give the cat is the basically the Joker from the Batman animated series uh, <laughs> that I grew up with when I was a kid. So it's it's maybe a little intense, but, you know, he doesn't complain much about it. So I roll with it. Wow. Yep. Wow. Parenting 101 we have, right there. That's the third complete stall in this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys take the wheel here. Good luck. Uh, and it's about frequency of virtual engagements. Go ahead, Gibbs. What are your thoughts? Uh, so you want me? Um, well, I think do that you- I think for me, when I do virtual sessions, um, A, it's got to be the, the training kind of has to be set up where you can get them engaged. It just can't be a presentation. And I think also as someone who facilitates a virtual session, you gotta know when and where to ask the right questions to make them answer. Um, And it can't really just be, you know, do you all agree or what's the answer to, to, you know, this poll question, but it's to get them really talking to each other. Um, and so I think it's it's making it into a discussion. And I think that takes work. I think you have to um, design it obviously a little bit differently than instructor-led training, and even your questions in the discussion has to be different. I try mm. to on almost every slide, um, and you know I'm I mean with virtual sessions you obviously have to have PowerPoint slides, and I'm not a big fan of PowerPoint decks when it comes to training, especially instructor-led training. Um, but I mean, I think almost every slide I'm trying to get them to engage and interact or say something, you know, and try not to go more than three or four minutes of me talking. Um, and so that, I think that takes a different, a, a skill set, you know, it takes a little bit mm-hmm. of a different skill set to, because as trainers, what do we like to do? We like to tell, 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 give information, give information and be, you know, there being the one teaching them everything. Um, yeah. and I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. That was one of the things that I learned once I actually started to pursue L and D like academically. So I got my, you know, took my night classes and I got my certificate. And the, one of the first things that I learned was that it's not the sage on the sa- on the stage; it's the guide on the side. You know, implying mm-hmm. that this is not about you, jackass. It's about the people that are in the chairs trying to figure out how to solve their problem. Um, it's e- even with the idea that you have to be the guide on the side. That's particularly difficult when it comes to webinars because it does lean a lot heavier on scale. So you've got as many butts in the seats are logged in as you can get to take advantage of the platform. But that certainly leads away from conversations. Now, Gibbs, you're talking about what are the size of the groups that you're working with? Um, I usually like, I mean, it could go anywhere from like, what, four to about 30 people. I like usually about 15 to 20. I mean, I yeah. think who shows up, right? Um, yeah. But 15- well, so the reason... The- Go ahead. I was just going to say, the reason I'm asking is because to encourage a side conversation, you've got to have still enough people to kind of keep their eyes on the prize. And then you have to have enough people to kind of carry the conversation on the side and to keep the kind of the, the keep the pot stirring, you know, to keep things moving. Um, and a couple things, too. Again, it goes back right to these virtual sessions. Again, do you have a, and it goes back to what Adam was talking about a few weeks ago. It's, do you have a relationship with these people already? 
if you have a relationship with these people already, then the session is going to be that much easier. Um, right. But when you have people you don't know, and the majority of them are people you don't know, it's that much harder. Um, and I think when Adam was talking, you know, who is it? I think we were talking about, you know, do you start right when you're supposed to start or aren't you on there five, ten minutes before and talking to people? Um, mm. And I think it starts there because if you get on, you know, eight, five to eight minutes and start talking to people before the session even starts, I think that kind of breaks the ice and that formality of it all of, yeah. you know, oh, OK, this is Cynthia, so we can you know, you know, she's fun to talk to. So she's going to be fun to talk to while we're doing the actual session. Well, and it even helps when you wear your shirt that says I'm fun to talk to. Yeah. People, <laughs> people really get it then, you know, it talks about setting the tone right there. Um, but, yeah. but I think Dan, <laughs> Dan, to answer your question that, you know, the frequency of engagements, if you mm. look at, you know, in an instructor-led training, you can get away without having an engagement with the audience a little bit longer than you can virtually. You're going to lose yeah. attention if you're not engaging them more often than not. And so, like, when you're in front of people, just by its very nature, you you get a little bit more attention. And that, that attention is being pulled more in a virtual setting where they can look at their phone, they can multitask, they can be on a different monitor looking yeah. at email. And so if you're not engaging with them, I don't think there's a right uh, minutes wise, like, you know, just like micro learning, there's different classes or different information that you can get. So it's different timing. But I will say, as a general rule, you're going to want to engage a lot more in a virtual session than you will in an instructor led session from yeah. a frequency perspective. So um, I think it's yeah, what you're training, you though. Well, yes. So you had you had actually said a number, though. You had said every three or four minutes. And I remember you saying that because when you said it, it perked my ears up because that is what Cindy Huggins, who, you who me. is a virtual. Who, Adam said that. You, Gibbs. Oh, OK. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cindy Huggett also said that. Uh, and she is a virtual uh, virtuoso. Like she knows virtual yep. sessions. She's a guru. She she really she really really is. She's a she's a freaking professional about that. Uh, not to say that we're not, you know, but it's kind of like air quotes around professional for some of us. Um, but she, uh, she yeah, she said about every four minutes that you should be engaging an audience. And I think that you're right. I think it does depend on the content, but I think the content is going to be what's leading maybe the style of engagement, but I think you still want to lean on those engagements a little bit. And, and sometimes, so you, you had also said that, you know, not, not a poll and, and I'm not saying you were being dismissive of polls cause that's something. Sometimes you need the low hanging fruit, you know, sometimes you need, give me a, and it depends on the format too, because uh, I, I'm currently using whenever webinars do come up in my world, I'm using Skype for business, which is what a great thing to instant message people and have a video chat with three people. What a <laughs> shitty tool to it's host a, a webinar training. through. Yeah, no, for it's the not. Job. It's, a piece, it's a giant piece of garbage for that. But you, the best that I can do on a quick engagement is put a Y or an N in chat. That's that's the quickest thing that I can do. I think, too, is it for me, too, it's like, are you talking to the people or are you talking with them? And if you can get them talking with you, even if it's on the chat line, then that gets them so much engaged. But if you're talking to them like you're talking down to them or you're, 
you know, talking to them, like, I, I don't know, but it's like, it's almost, you engage them by making it like a conversation with them. Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to go. I think anytime that you can break the barrier between the the virtual presenter and the audience members, I, I really think that's good. And actually, not to go back to what's the frequency, Kenneth, but in in that you you uh, you may recall the host actually mentions the person, the participant by names is Ken, uh, and I think that's a great way to do it. You know, it's one of those things where if you start answering people's or, or putting people's names in your words. Maybe, maybe that in and of itself is some level of engagement. You know, it's almost like looking people in the eye in a, uh, an instructor led training. Like if you, if you share a super awkward and intimate moment of eye contact, well, that certainly has an impact on the room, you know, but Dale Carnegie who said the sweetest sound to a person is hearing their name spoken out loud. I don't know. Maybe I guess it depends who's speaking it. But I think I've been to... shouted my name at me a lot of times as a young man, <laughs> and it was not enjoyable. Damn. Um, yeah. No, but I think it goes to the the different ways to engage, right? So you you kind of brought <laughs> up you brought up polls, and polls are good. What, what, you okay? Bless you. Bless you. I'm all right. <clears throat> Keep all on right. keeping on. Wow. Um, so no, I mean polls are good, but they can be overused, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like if you were doing a, a you know, I think. <laughs> If you, wow, bless you. Sorry, sorry. All right, All right. I am interested. Are you just also sneezy. <laughs> and then you dwarf, always have somebody like this on a webinar who just keeps sneezing. <laughs> it's like, how mute do we mute this microphone. Yeah, mute it. Um, no, but I think at the end of the day is, you know, the different ways to engage is changing it up, right? Polls are good in the context of you're doing a poll. If you just do poll after poll after poll, mm-hmm. and then the way you set it up, it would just be yeah. like, it, it, it doesn't land very well. But if you throw yeah. in a poll, you know, in the first 15 minutes, maybe you do one in the last 15 minutes, and you change it up, that's going to create engagement just by its very nature. And then t- it's you were talking serve about- serve a purpose too. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think also, too, that that interaction of calling people by name, there's a lot of people that will not do that in a virtual session. They yeah. don't prepare and say, hey, Dan, what do you think about this? If you do that a couple of times, well, but, the likelihood but, people are paying attention. Yep, It's true. But in virtual sessions, that doesn't require prep. That just requires seeing the person's name on the chat. It I, I think it requires experience. The... It requires practice. It, it's a skill. It's a skill you have to acquire to know how to do that. It is. And I think it's a level of comfort as well of being able to break that fourth wall. Cause, and that again takes us away from the sage on the stage versus the guy on the side. Like the person who just wants to talk at people. Well, yeah, they don't want to engage. Absolutely. And th- that would be difficult for them to do that. So they might be hesitant of that. So, okay, let's take, let's pretend for a second we have a listener. Um, wouldn't that be a nice world if we had a listener? Uh, but let's. <laughs> we do. A, gr- a girl can dream. Listens to us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We we've got we've got a few listeners out there. We got a few. That's right. We're gonna get more. We're working and on it. Actually, and these... favorite. Yeah, my yeah. Well, I was just saying that to make you feel better. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so let's pretend for a second we have somebody that's out there that is overly comfortable talking at they don't want to engage the audience because they're afraid to break the script and they don't know how to how would would you coach that person 
What would you say to them to, to, to get past that thing? So to break that wall down and so that they can engage the audience, at least on a very, it, I mean, it's still superficial, but on a, on a, on a level that requires at least an interaction back and forth. You know, it helped me years and years ago, and it also helped me a lot understanding the difference between training and facilitation was, and it's really sad to say, but it actually helped me become a very much stronger facilitator um, and a better trainer, Um, is I had to, I, I tried to figure out ways to make them do all the work. How can I, as a facilitator, make them do all the work? How do I make life easier for me? And I mean, it's a stupid concept and stuff, but it was the way I became much better at the at being a facilitator. Was and it made me, you know, it's it was like literally to the point, and this was years ago, where I'd figure out, you know, how much time in this hour can I be actually just sitting down watching them work. Yeah, and then discussing rather than me standing up here and talking. It's uh, like the substitute and, teacher that comes in and just brings in the VCR. Play the movie. Yeah. We're going to teach today. Almost. Here's a VCR <laughs> and a movie sad. that you can play. Yeah, but watch know, the Emperor sad. guys groove back. Yeah, it, but it's sad, but it made me more creative to truly figure out ways to really come up with that learning objective, and how do I get them to discover the learning yeah. objective rather than me telling yep. them? Because I'm great at telling. Who hell? Who's not great at telling? Who's not great at sharing information? Why? Because we love to do that and talk, no matter how introverted you are, right? And share how much knowledge you have. Uh, but that it honestly helped me is how do I make myself do less work? Well, you know, and that's how I became stronger as a facilitator. Well, I want to qualify that uh, a little bit. What you just said there, you said, that's how, how do I do less work? And and you and me, I remember when we started working on the, uh, the, the CRU piece over there, the Caliber Retail University, when we were working on that together, you and me are of the same mind here. How uh-huh. can we get the audience to do more? And the thing is, it initially appears as though the, the facilitator, the trainer, the whomever, they are doing less work, but it's different because the work gets done in advance. It's uh-huh. how much... I have to solve this. This is a new problem to solve. How do I figure out how to get them to figure out this stuff on their own? How do I construct Mm -hmm. these engagements, these activities, these problems so that they work their way through it? So it's completely different um, than, than, oh, yes, somebody that's comfortable with the script. They get up, they do their song and dance. That's their work. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's still prep, but the work for someone that more on the facilitator side, the work comes beforehand when you're trying to figure out, oh, shit, okay, so what are the possible answers to this question and 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 which way are they going to go? How do I bounce it back if they do go that well, way? You know, there's a, we, it's just a lot uh, more fun loaded with keep work. the conversation going. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's funny because I think as, and, and maybe it's a, it's a mindset, maybe it's just how people are, et cetera, but I think as a trainer or when we're training we feel like if we we are in control if we're the ones saying everything and you know Mm -hmm. sharing all the knowledge and things like that when having control of your classroom or your training room is very different than just sharing all the knowledge and information and stuff and so it was very i'll be honest with you because i i can be a control freak it was very freeing for me Uh, i haven't heard that before and it and it it was very freeing for me and it was very Mm. less stressful for me um 
but it taught me also how to delegate as a leader, how to delegate. Oh, it's that's okay to delegate their learning to them. I don't have to be the one that tells them everything to do. I've delegated their own learning to them and I just guided them. Now, becoming great at the discussions and the debriefs afterwards takes skill and takes time and practice. Um, and that's where the hardest part is, is really making sure, you know, you, you have some solid questions down, but that you're also based on where the conversation goes, you're able to ask the right questions after that to get them where you want to go. That's mm -hmm. hard. That takes a lot of skills, especially without just flat out telling them the answer, um, especially when you're short on time. But it was so freeing to me. I mean, it was very, very freeing. And again, I learned how to delegate their own learning yeah. to them and gave them control. You know, it reminds me of the phrase I've heard a lot. There's a podcast out there. I can't remember the name of it, but the guy's Jocko Willink is his name. Do you guys know that name at all? Jocko mm -hmm. Willink? He's a military dude. Adam, no. is that a yes or no? I have not heard of him. No. All right. He is, he is an absolute animal. He's just as giant of a man and he was one of the guys that led a SEALs team into, you know, some city in Afghanistan. So he's one of those guys that's just like, oh, I see. He's on a totally different plane. He's like a demigod of sorts. Uh, but his one of his big things is freedom through discipline, which isn't, I think, his thing, more of a military mm -hmm. thing. But And that's what you're talking about, the discipline to get your ducks in a row beforehand to solve those problems in advance and to understand which direction they can go and just let the pieces play out. You have that freedom to walk around the room and see people actually enjoy the experience and to actually pull aha moments out of it that you crafted. Man, there is nothing more rewarding than that. It's unbelievable to do those things. Um, and, and, and it kind of also reminds me of this, this idea that I've, I've been kicking around in my head for a while. The, to be as proficient as we can in our role so that we can almost be like a jazz musician because you know, they they do all sorts of just bizarre shit and then they somehow they'll pull things all together and they they all get it the guys in the band all get it they know what's going on and then boom it just it's it just happens you, you know, know and they can navigate anything that's funny that you say that to me because um you know i take piano lessons and well mm. i haven't right now i haven't lately um banned um but but mm. i had a substitute teacher one time because my original piano lesson teacher took it and she was a uh, jazz she said, and the reason she mm -hmm. said she loved jazz is because she said, when you're playing jazz, you can go all different places, et cetera. And it just comes together in the end beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole lot of front loaded work that goes into that though. Yeah, that's for sure. And she said, there's so much more freedom in playing jazz than if you played like classical music or, you know, uh, or, you know, mm -hmm. you know, other types of music, but jazz was much more show free. tunes. Yeah. Show sure. tunes. Cats. Yeah, you kink off script. Nope. Kink off script. You can do show <clears throat> tunes nope. at all. Yeah. Nope. Mm -hmm. No, you cannot. All right. So let's let's just, just re, let's debrief this for just a second. Then, uh, so we need to have based on the content uh, a frequency, give or take, of about four minutes. That's as uh, not just here, but other people that are smarter than us out in the world say as uh, say as much. Um, we need to tailor it to the content. We need to tailor it to the audience. We can vary it as well between the cheap engagements that polls offer us, but they also offer data. I mean, there's still a lot of good stuff you can pull out of a poll. Um, 
and uh, chats and and we we would encourage discussion between participant members is that is that what i'm hearing here mm-hmm. i was gonna say if possible right so a lot of that goes to the content that you're training to so you can't always like if you're training a system it, it doesn't lend itself to a lot of conversation between the two it's very difficult to get conversation if you're training soft skills it's a little bit easier because it's a little bit more about what mm-hmm. you're thinking to do mm-hmm. so you need yeah. to understand the content that you're training and what type of engagement works with the content that you're training in for in that medium you know i'm gonna push back just a little bit oh boy. because <laughs> not that hard no no um because i i struggle with the the urge to some people have to lock down chat and not not lock it down in the sense that we're not going to do it it's it's a one way it's participants to me so i could see it but i don't want other people no, seeing no. the person's yeah, yeah. name no, no. i don't want the comments yeah, no, i think you that know. that's ridiculous right it's kind of like when uh, you use webinar versus meeting uh what's go to oh yeah, yeah go to training versus go to webinar right go to webinar yeah. doesn't allow for a real chat you cannot allow it does not allow people to talk to each other. Uh-huh. It's just a Q&A box, I think, It's right? a Q&A box, right? Yeah. Um, That's no, true I, I t- presentation. That webinar is true presentation. It's true but presentation. But that's meant for like up to 2,000 people, I think, if I remember correctly. Correct. Yeah. But it's one yeah. way. So, but you can no, lock 2, down 000, the training. Yeah, uh, it's 2,000. Oh. You can lock down the training side, too. And go to, I, I'm not sure on webinar, but you can lock it down where yep. participants Yeah, you can restrict privileges. See, yeah, or... You know the the facilitator or presenter only is the one who can see any information going back and forth. But that's right. where it it irritates me because I be, and the reason I say that is because if you do a great job, because in the end we are on the sidelines, we are on the we are supposed to be on the sidelines. So in that sense, they are going to learn more from each other in that chat line, especially the types of classes because- I train. Depends on me. the content, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. depends yeah. on the content. I mean, if you're teaching them a system that they've never learned before, absolutely. But the classes yeah. I train, they're going to learn more from each other than me. All right. Uh, let's, uh, that, I think that was, that was really good. That was valuable. I enjoyed that. And I'm sure everybody else out there did too. Let's move on. There is one more thing to touch on, and that is a, a good thing, if you will. Now, uh, Gibbs, you, you said you had uh, something to discuss for your, your, your good thing this yes. week. What do you got? It's a good thing. I don't know if it has to do with training, but I was plotting. I was thinking of how can we put sure, something plotting. like this. Because okay. Adam and I are developing a 10-week program, and I'm like, gosh, okay. how can we do something like this? Um, in our program. So, like, wait, well, like what? Okay, so my husband Oh, that's bought, your thing. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, so it's probably not a game for you all to play with your children, but... <laughs> My children, my child is at that age now where you can start playing, you know, more things with him because he's a teenager. So my husband bought us this game that you order and you play online, but also you get mailed things uh, once a month. And it's called Hunt a Killer. Interesting. And, and it's it's really cool. And we just started playing it this past weekend. And what happens is you become like um, CSI. Where mm. every month you get, um, you get, so like this first package, right? We got a case, right? Where these people went to um, their high school reunion and the next day they woke up and one of their people died 
from the high school reunion and someone in the school at the high school reunion or one of the faculty is the killer and so they give you all these clues like the police report like the case study um people's testimonies of where they were at at the time they claimed mm. death and the things they were doing and their thoughts on the person etc and every time and so now we've read all this material we got like a map that you can hang up and pictures of people that you can hang up like a real police station oh, kind like of conspiracy thing. wall yeah, yeah yeah and it's so it's totally cool <laughs> and so by the time we get the next section we have to eliminate one of the nine suspects and th based off the information we're getting and it's become like this real like thing like that my family there's only three of us that we've been talking about like every day well i think we should eliminate this person and we keep going back to the facts and the evidence and the and the uh, coroner's report and things like that trying to figure out who do we eliminate um and it's actually it's really really fun like we can't wait till awesome. we get the next one but i was like wow what can we do i mean i mean obviously we don't want to do hunt a killer but but like what kind well. of activities can you do in a training class especially like this 10-week program that we're creating that can build like a team and camaraderie like this or that's somehow related to you know the industry the mortgage industry that we're in or do we just play something like this as like a team building thing for them for 10 weeks you know to get them engaged mm. and to get them to know each other kind of thing that's interesting. Is this is this an in-person group or is this uh, this is virtual? So it's it's um, you get mailed this package and no no I mean I mean the problem your your ten week uh, group. Oh, it's in, in person. person. It's in person. So it's in person. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Approximate group size like per cohort. Cohort. Twenty-four. Yeah. Twenty-four in a cohort. Huh. Yep. Twenty That's to twenty-four. Yeah. And yeah. Then we're gonna yeah. house them for ten weeks and it's gonna be. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder so if it could be cool. like one of those dinner parties where somebody's the killer, you yeah, know, and, like and that, through the course like of the dinner. Months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, think about back in HSBC when we were outsourcing, right? We would bring people from India and Malaysia here. And one of the games we played was called The Great American Adventure. And um, we would have groups, like pe two or three people in groups. And, and we would teach them about America where they played an American couple. And every day... They would get some kind of like they'd be the smith family right and they'd all be different classes they'd all be different ethnicities and races and things like that and every day for like the first 15 minutes of every day they would be this family or whoever and maybe that mom sounds like an job. hr nightmare yeah no it was clearly complete by what? hr i'm so confused right now <laughs> okay. too. but they learned american culture by playing that game you know, huh. they learned how Americans lived. That does look delicious. So, <laughs> okay. I was like, uh, no, I, 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 it sounds like, you know, you, you walk a mile in somebody's shoes sort of things, but uh -huh. it's just, I'm, I'm confused. But uh, this hunted cool. killer, I was like, wow, could there be some kind of activity like you create like that? I'm sure there is. We're going to have to think on this. You know what? I think if anybody out there has done anything like that, mosbylearning at gmail.com, or you can uh, tweet it to us in, you know, what is it? 280 characters now, I think. At, uh, 160. At Mo 160? How is that? 160. I thought they went from 140 to, to 280. They doubled it. Nope. No, it's 160. 
Are you sure? I'm positive. I've been tweeting. Maybe it's for blue check uh, verified no, You know people. he has so many Twitter followers that he I've writes. I've been tweeting nonstop. Novels I mean, all day. You know what I just saw the other day? And I don't I don't want to get political, but um, that anonymous book that came out about uh, Mr. Trump, there's a the, the book that was written by the anonymous person. I saw a, a picture of that anonymous tweet and there was a blue verified check mark next to anonymous. How in Christ's name do you verify an anonymous individual? <laughs> it's by, uh, that we've confirmed phone, we don't know who they are. Like, is that is that is that what we're doing? Uh, <sighs> Anyways, let's work on getting that blue check mark because apparently it means something. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get the show notes for this tightly put together podcast mosby.ca that's ca slash zero one two and i uh do have there's uh, there's some work that does go on in the background here uh so i want to thank uh, one of the producers a uh, ty roberts for helping put some stuff together in the background for uh this episode and um we also have music that you hear right now you've heard music throughout a lot of this program and that all comes from incompetech.com and it's usually crafted by uh, Kevin McLeod who is uh, who's good at what he does Adam how do you want people to get a hold of you I think the easiest way is just LinkedIn and it's Adam Costics on LinkedIn there you go C-O-S-T-A-K-E-S and that's uh, that's Greek right it is yes sir mm-hmm. Uh, Gibbs, how do you want folks to get a hold of you? Cynthia Gibbs at LinkedIn. At LinkedIn. Not an email address, just you'll find Cynthia M. Gibbs on LinkedIn. And uh, you can find... She's she's connected to me, just like Adam is. So you guys can find me there, too. Just look at their connections, and uh, I'm H-I-R-T. So please, check us out there. I want to thank you guys for uh, for sticking this out. You know, we're, we're always trying some new stuff here. If you have ideas, like I say, send us an email mosbylearning at gmail.com or uh, or reach us on twitter maybe next week we'll be on instagram too who knows but uh we are looking forward to finding out just like you all right folks thank you very much have a good one we'll talk to you next week Butterball. 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 Yeah. I've been tweeting nonstop.